Before we start today's message, I have a special announcement. I'm really excited about it. We have, um, we have a, 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 well, a few weeks ago, you know that uh, Pastor Steve and Megan and their family are moving on, and uh, if, you, if you've not been here, they've announced that they felt like the Lord told them to, to move on, and, and uh, it crushed me. I was like, oh, God, I love Steve. I love his heart. I love his, his character. I love his... He's such a great man of God, and Megan's so sweet, and it's just like, why? I, God, I, I was planning on building with them for like another decade, and, and, uh, and, but the Lord had other plans, and so we bless him, and we're going to have a great send-off for him, um, and, and, and it really grieved my heart, because then I had to start uh, praying, you know? I, 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 you could do a lot of things to try to replace people in your own strength, and I just thought I could go through a plethora of candidates and all these things, but let me just start by praying. That's what I try to do. So we were praying and praying, and, and uh, uh, I kept getting a, 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 a person that was um, coming to my mind, and, and I just thought, but God, that would be such a big move for them. And, and so uh, Ruth said, why don't you just reach out to them? And so she, she and I reached out to them, and they actually came here a few weeks ago, and they said, well, we'll see what the Lord says. And, and they were obedient, and um, they you know, they actually, inter- they actually met with each one of our staff members, and I told my staff, I said, look, if you don't feel like they're a good fit, then I'm not bringing them on, because I want you to also know that they're going to be a part of the team and a good fit. And, and so <clears throat> um, the staff loved them, and, uh, and, and then they went home, and they prayed and prayed, and God told them to, uh, to come here. And uh, they used to be senior pastors in Pennsylvania of a small congregation on Millersville University. It's actually a campus church that they had, and um, it was a, a great church. Um, and then uh, the Lord told them, just like Steve, they didn't have anywhere else to go. The Lord said, I want you to resign. And so they, they totally confused about it. They talked to the board. They said, we feel like the Lord's telling us to resign. We have no idea why. So uh, I met them shortly after that, and then uh, this is a few years ago, and then uh, the Lord told them to sell their house and move back to their uh, hometown, and so they did that, and, uh, and then and they were like, God, why did you have us do all this stuff? Well, about a year later, I call them and say, hey, would you consider just seeing if it's the Lord? If it's not the Lord, I don't want you to come, but would you see? And so... Uh, Anyway, it's just a wonderful story, and there's amazing other things that we could tell you that was just some God moments, but I asked them to do a video greeting so that you at least get to see them. Um, Their name is Josh and Trista Lamb, and they're not replacing Steve because he's irreplaceable, but uh, they're going to join our team and uh, and be be a a perfect fit. So uh, if you have that video ready, we'll, we'll play that. Hi, New, Life, Hi, New City. Life City. My name is Josh Lamb, and this is my wife. Trista Lamb. And we are so excited to be coming and joining your family here soon. We were just out visiting a few weeks ago, and while we were there, we were weighing, God, is this about a call for us to come and join Paul and Ruth, or is this a specific call to this church, or do you just want us based out of Albuquerque? We'd never been to New Mexico before. And as it turns out, all three. We love the martinis. We consider them dear friends. But as we got to know more and more of the staff, we were like, these guys are incredible. I'd move here just for them. And then we came to the service, and you could feel the history of what God's done there, and then, but the weight at the same time of the glory that's coming, and we want to be part of that. And then by the time we were leaving, there was just sort of this disappointment. I don't know when we get to come back. 
Yeah, we've been waiting for God to give us our next step for the last couple of years. And so we are so thrilled that our next step is to come and partner with you guys and build the kingdom alongside you. Uh, we appreciate your prayers as we look for a new home, as we make moving arrangements, because uh, really we're just eager to be with you, to get to know you, and to build the kingdom together. Yeah, amazing. God's so good. So be, be praying for them. They, they need to find a home, which is like, is a miracle that's needed because, you know, I don't know if you've tried to find a house recently, but it's really hard, um, even renting. And so uh, they're, they're uh, praying and, uh, you know, I just told them, well, when God called Ruth and I here, it was a miracle the way we got our home. Um, and uh, when Ethan and Malia came back here, we, uh, we were praying and I said, guys, if God has you coming here, he's gonna provide for you. And miraculously, they got a home that they could afford. And, uh, and so I said, God, uh, is gonna do it again for, for Josh and Trista. But if you, if you know of a, of a place, let us know. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, we wanna continue um, uh, on our core values series. Uh, we started out with the presence of God. If you're joining us for the first time, we've been talking about the presence of God and camping around the presence of God. And, and I think that's so important for our lives to have a priority for the presence of God. And when I started that series, uh, the staff said, well, how long are you gonna actually do this for? And I said, till God tells me not to. So, uh, but, but I, I felt like uh, that we would move on um, and, and finally start talking about uh, prayer and how prayer is important. So we have four core values here at New Life City. Our first core value is that the presence of God. We believe that the presence of God is powerful, that God's presence is present, that we can experience God, that he's with us, and, uh, and that we can have an encounter and be an encounter, and that uh, you can encounter God for yourself as well, and, and that his presence is with us corporately as a church. Uh, we also believe in the power of prayer. We believe that God hears our prayers, that prayer changes things. We believe in healing prayer, that you can actually pray for the sick and that they would recover. We believe that prayer is powerful. And uh, we'll go through the other things, uh, but I just wanna right now um, talk about prayer and specifically how God hears our prayers. Because we need to understand that. We need to believe it. We actually need to have this relationship with prayer and strengthen that muscle. A coworker asked a friend why he got donuts if he was trying to diet. Well, he said, well, I came around the corner where the donut shop was, and I told God, if he wanted me to buy some donuts, I prayed, if he wanted me to buy some donuts to have a parking spot right in the front of the store. And on the eighth time around, there it was. <laughs> you know, prayer can be tricky. You can use prayer in a warped way and try to manipulate God to make it do what you wanna do and, and all these crazy things and leverage things in prayer, but that's not healthy prayer life. You know, when we talk about prayer, there's a quote from evangelist Gypsy Smith. He said, he was asked what the secret was of revival. And he said, go home, take a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself, then pray, oh Lord, revive everything inside this circle. I don't know of any revivals that have not happened without prayer and powerful prayer and years of prayer, sometimes even decades of prayer, when you read about the revivals that have happened throughout the world, especially in America, there would be always massive amounts of prayer poured into it. 
The relationship between prayer and God moving is tightly knitted. Even when I hear about churches miraculously getting started and, and buildings uh, being used, uh, it was often uh, people praying years beforehand, oh God, would you use this uh, land for your will? Our, our, uh, our, my own church that I grew up in, uh, this Italian Pentecostal church called Calvary Full Gospel Church in the Philadelphia area, um, we were a small church and our pastor saw an, a closed down uh, shopping uh, uh, grocery store called Acme Markets. Has anyone ever heard of Acme Markets? Okay, some, some East Coast people maybe? All right, yeah. Uh, Acme Markets, you know, I, I found out later, I was like, why do they call themselves Acme? And uh, there's a lot of businesses, Acme. I mean, obviously on the, uh, uh, the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote, it always came from Acme Company. But, the, but the, the term Acme got started because of the Yellow Pages, because it was probably going to be one of the first businesses listed if you called yourself Acme Plumbing or Acme Grocery or Acme this. So that's the only reason why. Wild. Anyway, it was an Acme Grocery store, then it turned into a bingo hall, and then uh, they uh, were able to pray and pray and pray, and all the banks said it's impossible for you to get this building, and finally... Uh, God moved and they got the building and then years later a family came to them and said you know we used to own this land and and then we had lost it but we would pray and walk around this land praying that God would use it for his glory and then it became a church I've heard countless countless stories like that and it's amazing and and so I I want us to be a house of prayer I want us to be a church that prays I want us to understand that prayer is powerful and that God wants us to pray so that we can partner with what he's doing and that we can petition to him for him to move in a powerful way. And uh, not that we haven't had a history of praying. I know our founding pastors loved prayer and there had been a strong history of prayer, but I want us to make sure that we come back to that and that we even get stronger in that. I find that in my own personal life that my own self-talk is stronger than my own prayer life sometimes. What do I mean by that? It's like, you know, I'm going through something and I'm, and, 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 and I'm processing and I'm in my car and it's like I'm, you know, driving 30 minutes to a place and, and I'm thinking about the things that I'm, and the situation I'm in and how to solve it and, and what kind of things I need and some of the pressures I'm going through and all these things and I'm processing and I'm not praying. And I just, you know, I just giggle sometimes. I think, you know, God must be in, in heaven going like, what is this boy up to? Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the answer within myself when reality is the answer is within God. And so I, I find that even sometimes our, the way we view ourselves doesn't even align with God. We, we kind of think maybe we, maybe we kind of talk ourselves down so much we don't really feel that God would want to talk to us. Maybe our self-talk is, is, you know, lies like, man, God doesn't love me so much. I'm, I'm too unlovable or I'm not qualified or there's too much in the way for me to communicate with God. I, I haven't had my life sorted out so I can't talk to him. And it's like, Man, you have to realize that if there's a thought in your mind that's not in God's mind about you, then you shouldn't think it. See, God loves you. God wants a relationship with you. God wants to restore you. He wants to be with you. And so you have to understand that if that's in God's mind, then you should, it should be in your mind. E.M. Bounds, who wrote nine books on prayer from back in the day, 
uh, I believe it was the 1800s, he, he has this awesome quote, I wanna read it to you. He says, true godliness is just as true, steady, and persevering in the realm of faith as it is in the province of prayer. Moreover, when faith ceases to pray, it ceases to live. Thus, faith is kept alive by prayer, and every step taken in this adding of grace to grace is accompanied by prayer. I find that our prayer is a, uh, uh, our prayer life needs to be strengthened. Our prayer life needs to be strong. You know, there's friends of mine who work out and who are really strong, and even in Verizon, I have some friends who are into bodybuilding, and, and uh, you know, it's, it, they would always say that legs are something that you need to build. Your leg strength is really important. And they would make fun of people who would just, you know, they would exercise all the top bits. You know, they'd get strong in their arms and strong in their chest and they get the, the wide back and they get some abs and, and they're like, you know, they look really big, they got this V going and then they have like 10 year old legs. Like little sticks walking around. And, and, and they're like, you know, they're not actually strong. They're, they're, they're strong when they can do this motion, but when it comes to natural movements where you actually need power, there's no strength because all the strength is in their legs. And I, actually, Adam Getty was texting me last night after we preached this last night, and he said, he said, yeah, Paul, we actually used to say, like, friends don't let friends skip leg day <laughs> because leg day is very important. And of course, I'm not one to talk. I, 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 need, to, I need to get back into it, but... but uh, I, sometimes I think of myself and I think, man, how unspiritually balanced are we? Maybe we're, we're really strong and we know how to like worship and we know how to talk the talk. We know all the, all the stories in the Bible. Like we grow up with like Bible super book, you know, Odyssey super book or Salty the Psalm book or Royal Rangers or come on, any, you got, all right, Veggie Tales. Okay, so like who am I preaching to today? All right, like we, we know how to act to act, we know how to talk to talk, we're, we're somewhat strong in some areas, or we look strong in, in some areas, but we're actually lacking in power because our prayer muscle has atrophied. And so we need prayer to be actually a muscle that we strengthen, something that we value. And why do we pray? Well, the Bible instructs us to pray. 1 Timothy 2.1. Verse, uh, First Timothy chapter two, verses one through four. Paul writes, first of all, everyone say first of all. That means number one, uno mas. I don't know. I shouldn't try to speak Spanish. Okay. First of all, then I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is a, a, a first priority in our life, that we would be people of prayer, and number one, that we also pray not just for ourselves and our community and our church, but we actually pray for our leaders, people that are in high positions. Some translations say people in authority. And, you know, I, I, I sometimes question uh, sometimes our, our motivation of the heart when it's like if the person in authority doesn't align with our beliefs, we, we curse them instead of bless them. And we don't pray for them. 
when God actually tells us to pray for them. Look, I haven't found a perfect leader yet, have you? I haven't found a perfect political person yet. But I know that God hears prayers and he changes even our governmental structure or our governmental laws when we pray. It's a powerful thing to do. And instead of trying to pray in a way where you're like, uh, you know, you might be affiliated with a certain party and you love that party and you actually don't like the other party. And so you, you're like, just God, God put my party in, in power. I, I, I'm actually like this. I'm kind of crazy. I'm like, God, would you bring the kingdom of heaven to both parties? Would you bring everyone to salvation? How radical would that be? Instead of trying to manipulate a system through our earthly means, using a spiritual warfare to break through. This happened in the early church. I mean, they were being persecuted. They were being slain. They weren't just being killed. They were being tortured, then killed for their faith. Like, imagine all the emotion and the hatred that was possible against the Roman oppression from the Christians. I mean, imagine them being like, man, I just, let's just overthrow them. Let's get a full force together. We'll throw a coup and we'll just take them over. And this is what we'll do. We'll just, we'll underground movement and that's what we'll do. No, they used a different type of warfare. They used prayer. They prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And God, what's he do? Instead of changing this governmental structure to something else, but he, he does what he does in his way, in his full knowledge, in his full uh, omniscience, he Christianizes the leadership. That's radical. I mean, going from we're gonna oppress Christians to now we are Christian. Not only is it legal, it's now free. You can, you can worship in everywhere publicly. And those temples that were worshiped, worshiping false gods, they knocked off the idols on the corners of the temples and they became churches where we can now worship together as a group. That's crazy thinking. I mean, that's like, how is that possible? You would think, no, we, when we think of things, we think of things doing it in our own strength, in our physical being. How do we fix things? But the reality is, if you make your method prayer first, you'll see how God does it his way. It's gonna break your thinking. It's gonna break the, the stronghold that it has to be done your way. And I'm all for God God's kingdom coming throughout America and throughout the world, but I don't serve a party, I serve a kingdom. And I wanna bring that kingdom to whatever party I'm a part of. Because that's gonna change the world. And I think our movement, the movement that God has for us is going to be a grassroots prayer movement. Where it's not something where we just topple from the top down, but we actually build from the ground up. You guys all right? Okay, sorry. And so I, I, I love that they did this. I mean, you know, uh, the, the Jews and, and the people that were following Jesus, they, they wanted the same thing. They thought, man, he would be a great political figure. He's such a good speaker. He does miracles. People are following him by the tens of thousands. Like he, he would be the one that could actually maybe over, he could get a lot of people together and we could overthrow Rome. And, and so many people saw him as a political savior because it made sense to them. And Jesus wouldn't submit to that. You know, they were like, let's get an army together and overthrow it. And he's like, nope, I'm gonna actually do it a way that's gonna break your thinking. I'm going to die on the cross in an embarrassing, shameful way for a king to die. 
so that you could actually have freedom forever in a more powerful way. But prayer is this, this thing that we, we often uh, uh, have, and it's always in our ability to pray, but wait, we don't do it. And I'm like, God, why don't I do it enough? Why, you know, I remember one time when, when one of my child, you know, it was like an almost, you know, they got possibly injured, and I thought it was gonna be an emergency situation. You know, it's kind of like when they fall, and, and they hurt themselves, and it's like, there's like this five-second silence, and you're like, and they're really just building up this big cry, and you're like waiting, okay, how bad is this? Are they gonna cry? They're not gonna cry, and then it's like, they can't breathe, and then they cry, right? Um, and I was like, and, and, and I kind of get weird when my, my kids get hurt. I kind of get like upset right away. Like, I don't, I'm just like, what's happening? Um, and, and I remember when my first answer was, and God really challenged me because my first answer wasn't to pray, it was to do something in my own strength. I was like, I could just pray right now. And I was like, God, why don't I pray? And, and so I, 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 I wanna talk about some of the obstacles that might be hindering our prayer life. Now, we have to remember that God responds like a father to a child. And oftentimes when we pray, uh, we have to think about, it's like, you know, I'm so thankful that God doesn't answer every prayer I pray. Like in his mercy, he's like, oh, buddy, you don't want that. I'm so thankful. It's like if I answered every request of my child, it would endanger them. They ask for ice cream every meal. And, and if I said yes, 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 there would be a bunch of consequences. Stomachs would hurt. They would get sick. And so in my goodness and in my kindness and especially my wife's kindness and goodness, we say, no. You need some protein. You need some vegetables. But see, God is omniscient and he knows all things and so he knows what's good for us and what isn't good for us and so we sometimes make these requests thinking why isn't God answering and it's because of his goodness that he's not answering it because we're not really aligned into what he really wants to, for us to receive. I love it in, uh, in, in Luke, Luke 11, one, uh, since prayer is the main communication to our heavenly father, the disciples asked Jesus this question. He said, Lord, how do we pray? And Jesus says, pray in this way. And I, I, I don't want you to think that he's saying pray in this way like you need to repeat this prayer over and over as if it's like a bunch of empty words and just becomes routine for you. He's actually giving you a method of how to pray to the Lord, to the heavenly father. And how does he start out? Our Father. He's saying that, that word Father is not like this high, revere reverence of Father. It's actually like Abba Father, Daddy God. Like, like you're my personal, true Daddy. It's this connection, this relationship. And, it, and by the way, this, this idea, it's, Jesus said our Father because it's not, it's not just about you. It's not like, like, even though he is a personal, relatable God, you have to understand that God's intention is all of us to be in unity and community. That's why there's so many one another's in the Bible. Love one another, care for one another, serve one another. That's why he, we, he says, our father, this is a, a group thing. This is, we pray not just by ourselves, but also together. And we're all God's favorite, of course. Like my kids, they're all my favorite. 
How do you, how do you decide? You love them all with the fullest of love, even though you like some better than others, but you love them all the same. I'm just kidding. I think sometimes we get hit, we, we, we have some obstacles because we have this idea that God is sovereign, which means he's the supreme ruler. He reigns over all. And so they think, well, if he's sovereign, then everything's going to happen anyway. And so what's the point of praying if it's going to happen anyway? And, 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 they, and they often will even blame tragedies on God because of his sovereignty. Like, well, this must be what God would want to happen. But I don't believe, I don't really subscribe to that type of theology. I actually believe that God is sovereign. He does reign over all. All things will eventually go back to him. He's the one with the sealed scroll. He is the ruler over all, but he gave, it, he gave us the right to steward over this earth. He gave us the keys over this earth, and then we gave them to Satan. That's what happened. That's why when Satan tempted Jesus and says, I, look at all the kingdoms of the world that are mine. Jesus didn't argue with them there. You know what Jesus did? He defeated him. He took back those keys from Satan. And then guess what? He gave them to us. When he talked to Peter, he said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And then he, he says, you will have the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you uh, bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on heaven is loosed on earth. And so I, I, I believe that there is a, you know, the world is broken because of sin, but now through God's redemption, we have the ability to bring wholeness to the world through our Lord. And so it's important that we pray, not because God uh, is going to do things just because they're gonna happen anyway, but actually because things will, um, God can actually answer our, our prayers and they'll actually um, uh, uh, be a response to our prayers. There's another term in philo- uh, theology and philosophy, it's called the immut- immutability of God, which means God does not change. And so people think, well, if God doesn't change, then what's the point of praying? Because he's not gonna be able to change and, and he's not gonna change his, the way he's gonna do something. And, and, and see, I don't really think that that's what immutability means. I, I actually believe that it's true. God does not change. His character does not change. He is a loving God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a compassionate God. He is a judging God. He's, he's not changing who he is, but it doesn't mean he doesn't respond to our requests. I love the example where Moses is, is he, he be, with the help of the Lord, he's being, he, leads the Egyptian, he leads the Israelites out of Egypt, and they're in the wilderness. And, and while Moses is receiving the Ten Commandments from the Lord, he's away from the people, and the people get nervous, and they start uh, building idols and start worshiping idols while Moses is getting the Ten Commandments. And so God knows about this, and he gets ticked. He's like, I'm so not right right now. I mean, I'm gonna, he's like, Moses, I'm gonna wipe all these people out. We're just gonna start over with you. How about that? And he's like, no, 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 God. It says that he implores the Lord. He prays, God, please don't do this. Come with us, God. Uh, give us another chance, Lord. He, and, he, and you can read it in Exodus 32. And then in 32, 14, I love this. It says, and the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Now that word relented is neshem. And neshem has been translated uh, a third of the time repented. 
It's very similar to the word that we use here, relented. Now, what, now how, you know, so you could say that God repented, but how can God repent? He, he, he has no sin. There's nothing to repent from. Well, when we understand what repent means, then you'll understand what this means because the original, like the, the basis of the word repent, even in Greek, the word metanoia means change the way you think. That's why we use it, in, in, especially in the more modern context in our church, we say repent of your ways. Like we're not saying, saying come up here, run to the altar and just ask God for forgiveness, although you need to do that. It's, it's actually saying when you repent, you actually change the way you think. You're going one way and you realize that this is actually the wrong way. You thought it was the right way, but you now know it's the wrong way. That's repentance. And the fruit of repentance is you changing because you realize that's the wrong way. So the, but the basis of its meaning is change the way you think. And so what the Lord did was he, he, he relented from the disaster. So some actually translations say, and the Lord changed his mind. Why? Because prayer. Jonah 3.10, verse 4.1. It says, now, now, many of you know the story of Jonah. If you don't, Jonah gets a word from the Lord you know, to, to go to the people of Nineveh. They're not Jewish people. They're actually the enemies of the Israelites. They've, they've done some really nasty things to the Israelites. They are considered an enemy of war. They torture them. Some of their methods were skinning people alive. I mean, just horrible, horrible uh, methods of violence. And so the Israelite people really hated the Ninevites. And so did Jonah, who's a prophet to the Israelites. But the Lord says, you know, Jonah, I want you to warn the people of Nineveh that they're going to be destroyed. And Jonah, you know, you would think he would he'd be like, oh yeah, this is a good word. And just, because he doesn't like those people. He actually hates them. He wants badness to come to them. But he actually goes the other direction. Why? Because he knows God's heart. Because he knows that if a word's gonna come to them, that means if they repent, God won't, won't do anything. And so he runs away from God. He gets swallowed by a large fish. Some people think it's a whale. Wild story, I know, it's amazing though. He's in the belly of the fish, three days, uh, repents, gets thrown up out of the fish, and he walks to, to Nineveh. Now, what's, if you know the context, the God of Nineveh was a fish god. So here you have a man who's been in the belly of a fish for three days, stank, had probably like all sorts of gook on him, maybe some seaweed, and he's like walking through the city of Nineveh, you know, like, and, and giving a word from the Lord, telling them that, 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 evils, that all the evil they've done is now going to uh, come upon them, and what do they do? They repent. They repent from all the way, the highest king to the lowest person. They actually make the animals repent. I don't know how that's possible, but they did it. I have a, a, a prophet guy I know that he would fast, uh, uh, well, he still does, he like fasts like once, twice a week, and when he fasts, his dogs fast too. I was like, okay, um, all right. <laughs> but he doesn't fast, you know, he doesn't make his dogs fast for 40 days, that would, then we'd have to call someone. But, I, but, but they, they repented all the way back to the, to the animals, and, and, and what, do they, what, do they, what does God do? It says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented, that same word, of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. 
but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Why does God do these things? Because he, he wants this personal relationship with us. And, and even many of the prof- prophetic words that were given over Israel were very conditional. If you do this, I will do this. And so there is a free will involved here. And prayer, God partners with us um, by using prayer. And so sometimes it's like, man, he's just waiting to see what we want to do. It's like, do you really want revival to come to the city? Do you really want bondages to be broken off of this city? Do you really want your, 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 your home in order? Why don't you pray? Where's your request? Where's this relationship that we're supposed to have? Isaiah 38, one through six, here's another example. It says, in those days, Hezekiah, who's the king of Judah, was sick and near death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you shall, not, shall die and not live. And I didn't give these, this to, to the slide, so you're gonna have to use a Bible or buy one, um, sorry. <laughs> thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you shall die and not live, verse two, chapter 38. Then Hezekiah, uh, 38 of Isaiah, then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I walk before you in truth with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you from and this city from the hand of the king of Syria, and I will defend this city. God said one thing, Hezekiah, just so you know, you're gonna die. Hezekiah prays, and God changed. He said, okay, because of your prayers, I'm going to extend your years 15 years. Second Chronicles 7, 14, a great verse, one of my favorite verses. If my people, who's that? You. Hopefully, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're his people. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Oh God, I just want the land of Albuquerque healed. And it doesn't happen through us just trying in our own strength. It happens through prayer. Prayer is powerful. You know, we, when I first came to this church, uh, when Pastor Allen and Pastor Gail offered uh, for, for Ruth and I to come and, and lead this church, you know, I met with some of my uh, friends and, 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 you know, spiritual fathers and mothers and brothers. And, and uh, one of the things that they would say is, you know, Paul, Whenever a pastor is going to replace a founding pastor, statistically, it doesn't work out. Statistically, that pastor who replaces the founding pastor is a martyr. Because the founding pastors are people that they love and adore. And, and, and when the person comes in, they usually always compare the next pastor to the original founding pastors. And they're not happy with that person. And so they usually 
you know, fire them, the person gets burned out, it's not worked out, and then the pastor who replaces the, the last pastor is the one who usually sticks. So like, you probably don't wanna replace the founding pastor, you wanna replace the martyr. <laughs> and uh, statistically. You know, and then, and then one of my friends, you know, he, a great guy, I really appreciate his advice, you know, he, he was just, you know how sometimes friends say things flippantly and, you know, off the cuff and they don't realize how, you know, heavy that, that, that response is to you. You're like, oh, that kind of hurt, you know, like, but they didn't mean it. There was no mean, you know, mean intention by it. But I remember talking to my friend and, and he's like, you know, I don't know, making sandwiches or something. He's like, and he's like, uh, He's like, yeah, Paul, I don't think you'll last three years. You want cheese on this? You know, like, <laughs> like I'm not gonna last three years. So, like, so now I'm like, I'm gonna last at least three years. No, like, I plan on being here indefinitely, by the way, guys. We, we feel called, unless you fire me or kick me out or whatever, um, I'm gonna be here as long. I'm gonna be like that annoying, whatever. Anyway. But we, we realized, I said, man, the, not many churches survive what this church has gone through. Just with the landscape, I mean, there's a lot of churches that closed down during COVID that never opened up again. And, um, and I said, we, we need to pray. So we started praying as a staff, just coming together, praying. Every week, we still pray, every week, we just pray. You know, there's, uh, we, we pray as a, as a church on Thursdays. There's prayer meeting every Thursday night. I believe it's 6.30. We pray for our nation. You don't need to have a special invite. This is your invite. Go to it. Because prayer is powerful. Try to go to those. Every service now before service, 30 minutes before service, we start praying as a church. You don't need a special invite. You don't need to take a special class. If you can, uh, you know, have a prayer, come. Just pray with us. And you know what? We've seen a major change in our church. It's shifted things. People are starting to come into our building, feeling called to our building and go, wow, I feel the presence of God here. A lot of people, when, when, when you come to a church that's gone through some of the things that our church has gone through, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a practical way of doing things. There's like, man, you can get your, uh, an advertising budget, you can get a marketing budget, you can hire a marketing manager, you can uh, get and increase your online presence, and you can kind of, you know, add some cool branding to your church and kind of like make it attractive. And, and I was like, you know what? I, I don't want to do any of that. I want to go back to the original method, prayer, because it's way more powerful than any marketing campaign. It's more powerful than that. And so, uh, so this is why I want our church to be a church of prayer. That's how we'll see our city change. That's how we'll see our church, our community change. On May 20th, we're doing a praise, or excuse me, a presence and prayer night. It hasn't been announced, but now I'm announcing it. It's May 1st. I don't want you to come to it. It's on a Friday night. It's gonna be, I think, from like seven to 10. And we're gonna come together as a church and we're gonna pray for this city. We're gonna pray for our community. We're gonna pray for our leaders. We're gonna pray for our state. We're gonna strike the ground. And God's gonna hear those prayers because he's a good God. He hears our prayers. Homer Hodge says this, prayer should be the breath of our breathing, the thought of our thinking, the soul of our feeling, the life of our living, the sound of our hearing, the growth of our growing. Prayer in its magnitude is length without end, 
width without bounds, height without top, and depth without bottom, illimitable, illimitable in its breadth, exhaustless in its height, fathomless, fathomless in its depth, and infinite in extension. That's why prayer is powerful. And now that we know that God hears our prayers, now that we know that God responds to requests of our prayers, I wanna challenge myself and you guys, all of us, pray more. Try it. Don't take those moments and waste them on a silly podcast or a, you know, use, use that time for prayer. Watch how God changes things. You know, when you're going through a crisis in your family, when you're going through a crisis in your life, when you're going through even good things, is prayer your go-to? Are you trying to do things in your own strength, in your practical strength, in what makes sense physically? But the reality is, I, I just wanna ask you, how's that going for you? A friend used to ask me that all the time. Like, it's actually not going really well, even though I think I'm brilliant. On Friday, it was really weird. I'm, I'm actually a pretty peaceful person, very chill. There's nothing necessarily going on that was wrong in, in, in Ruth and I, uh, in, our, in our lives. But I just started to get really anxious. And you know, anxiety is one of those funny things that just kind of rises up out of nowhere sometimes. And I have friends who deal with that. And, and I was just like, man, why am I so anxious? I actually, it was like later in the afternoon and, and I call Ruth and tell her I'm feeling anxious. And she's like, okay, babe, I'll be praying for you. And, and I'm, I'm like processing, like, God, why am I? And, I, and, I'm, and I'm just really internal about the whole thing. And, I'm, uh, and as I'm driving home, I, I remember this verse, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But, now listen, whenever you see a big but in the Bible, you need to pay attention. Because <laughs> big buts means something. I don't know why you guys are laughing. Okay. Do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by what? Prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that's when I said, oh, that's right, God. Instead of me trying to figure out what's going on with me, I wanna present this to you with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. And it was like the anxiety dissipated instantly. This is the power of prayer. Let's not leave it on the table. Let's not leave it at church. Take it with you. It's gonna change your life. It'll change your family. It'll continue to strengthen your family. It's not a muscle that you work out, get strong at, and then don't pick up for another year or two. Something that needs to be prominent in your life. It's the main way you can communicate to God. It's not like God is sitting on a throne and you're, in, you know, you're here and, 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 and there's this dark you know, abyss between you and you're yelling out to God. No, he is right here with you. If you receive uh, Christ, the spirit of Christ is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you and you can communicate to God just internally. You can say a prayer, you can verbalize it. You can, if, if you have the gift of tongues, you can speak in tongues, but we have this mediator now in Jesus Christ and we can just pray. Bam, it's right there. Challenge yourself, God, why am I not praying more? Why am I not picking up this amazing gift you've given 
humanity. Why don't you stand? I just want to encourage you guys, you know, ever since we started praying, our church started growing. Things have started changing. Things started shifting. Things that were happening that I couldn't have make happen in my own strength. People are finding out about our church from all over, and it was like a God thing how they found out about our church. And I, and I, and I tell people, I'm not trying to attract as many people as possible. I just want people who feel called to this church to come here. And so we, 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 we've been doing this, and, and, um, and if you're, we, we need people to serve. We have Greg Humbles here who will help develop that, but if, if you wanna help us out as we grow, please let us know. We'd love to connect with you guys. But I know a lot of you have many prayer requests to God. I know that there's things that are on your heart that you know maybe you haven't given to God yet or you're still asking for. You know, last week we had Charles Stock here. I'm not sure if you guys heard Charles. How many enjoyed Charles? Yeah. An awesome miracle happened in his church just uh, the beginning of April. And you, he showed the picture of it, but it's a couple that Ruth and I know that go to our church at Life Center that we used to be a part of. And uh, they were praying and interceding for a baby and the whole staff was interceding for them. And they did get pregnant. Um, it was through in vitro fertilization, but they got pregnant and they were so thankful. And then what happened was, um, they got the ultrasound, they saw the baby was there, and they have a picture of it. And then a few days later, or that night, after the ultrasound, she started bleeding profusely. They called the fertility clinic, they said, please come in right away. They came in the next day, they did an ultrasound, and there, and they showed a picture of it, the, there was no baby there, it was barren. And uh, everyone's hysterical, and um, one of the things that so impressed me was her husband, first thing, well, well the mom and the wife's crying and the doctors are consoling her and just showing her like hey there's hope here we you know we can try this again we're sorry and there's three doctors who confirmed it her husband goes to the other room and makes a phone call to the staff of the church and says would you pray for a miracle that's a bold prayer not would you pray for consolation not would you pray for comfort of course those are things but would you pray for a miracle and so the staff pleaded with the Lord. They implored the Lord. They came together and they started praying. They don't know, in their mind, they don't know how God would ever sort this out, but a day or two later, the wife has to go back to the fertility clinic because they have to do like a DNC and, and just make sure um, they do an ultrasound to just go through it one more time. And there is a baby in her womb, twice the size if you haven't seen it last week at the end of service, it shows it, yeah. Guys, don't let this go by. Prayer works. Prayer works. I wanna invite our prayer team up right now. Any pastors and prayer ministers, just come forward. Because if you need prayer for something, we would love to pray with you. I wanna pray with you right now as a group. So Father, I just thank you that we can petition, we can intercede, we can request, we can implore. 
God, I thank you that you're a good father, our heavenly father. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our prayer muscle, that you would uh, help us understand and believe that you actually hear our prayers and that it would result in us praying more, that it would change our community, it would change our families, it would change our church, our city, our state, our nation. Lord, we, you would give us a passion for prayer, that we would be known as a house of prayer, that even other churches would, when there's ear, you know, overwhelming odds, that other churches would say, well, you should go to that church because they believe and pray for miracles. Lord, we just pray that this becomes a true core value of our church. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanna dismiss you guys. Um, may God bless you. May his peace be with you. May his face shine upon you. May you go in peace and I'll see you next week. We'll be here next week on Mother's Day. Bring your mom, bring your grandma, bring your dad's mom, bring every mom you find. We wanna bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Make sure you fellowship before you leave and then if you need prayer, just come forward. We wanna pray with you.